0: Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley.
1: The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world.
0: We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. Today we're continuing our series on financial health. As you probably know, last month was Mental Health Month in Australia. It's worth noting financial matters can exacerbate mental health issues as well as physical health issues. Financial stress can cause physical issues such as migraine, irritable bowel syndrome, and insomnia. It can also exacerbate or cause depression, anxiety, and other mental health problems. These issues can often feed on each other and cause a vicious cycle where one feels trapped. Because of this, we are going to discuss some strategies to improve your financial situation and thus your quality of life, while alleviating potential stressors and or triggers. We've discussed and are going to continue to discuss things like how to establish a cash reserve, budgeting, paying yourself first, managing debt, dealing with creditors, the rule of 72, planning for the future, as well as many other topics. To that end, we have in our studio someone with a keen insight on how these two challenges of mental health and financial stress can collide and how to improve both situations and come out the other side victorious. Sarah Ryman is a certified business advisor, financial expert, and professional speaker. She provides consulting and coaching to business owners and teaches them how to understand the story behind their numbers so they have the financial control they need to reduce stress, increase profits, and create financial and time freedom. As a qualified accountant with 15 years experience in the tax accounting industry and as a business owner since 2006, she knows and understands the challenges business owners face with managing staff, juggling all the balls, and keeping up a healthy lifestyle. Sarah's a motivational speaker and has an inspiring story of overcoming domestic violence, which we know from our episode on domestic violence with 42-year veteran and retired police sergeant Derek McManus and my father, 27-year-old, 27-year-old, he wishes, 27-year veteran police sergeant in Chicagoland that one-quarter of women and one-sixth of men have experienced. She has suffered from depression, and we know from our episode on depression with David Moran, CEO of Mental Health Partners, that one out of seven people in Australia will suffer from depression. She struggled with drug abuse, which we know from our episode on addiction with David Moran from Mental Health Partners and here from his own radio show, that 5% of all Australians and close to 13% of Australians from age 16 to 24 suffer from drug addiction. She struggled with divorce, which we know 33% of all Australians who are married will someday have to face. If you've missed any of these episodes or the eight-part series that we did on leadership that we just finished with NeuroChange Master Trainer and Performance Coach Gwen Meyer, check them out on our podcast, wherever you download podcasts, or on our Facebook page, which is changed the World with Matt McQuindley, McQuinley, M C Q U I N L E Y. These challenges we just discussed that Sarah faced and overcame help her to be qualified to talk about how changing the way one thinks and how they act can change their life dramatically, both financially and mentally. In the first session of this series with Sarah, we discussed mindset and why that is so key to financial success. We also discussed the idea that a number watched is a number improved. Last week we discussed delayed gratification as one path to financial success as evidenced by organizations such as FIRE. Tips on tracking spending and the fact that the rule of 72 when applied early on virtually ensures financial success if utilized correctly. We discussed the fact that these principles that can be that can be followed by anyone, any average Joe or Jane. And Almost anyone with patience, planning, and discipline can end up where they could or would like to within reason. To quote Bill Gates, most people overestimate what they can achieve in a year, but underestimate what they can achieve in 10 years. Again, if you miss these episodes, I urge you today to check them out on our podcast, Change the World with Matt McQuinley, on our Facebook page, wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we're going to discuss a general pathway to help you get to financial success. Of course, this is general information only, and you should consult an expert. We aren't promising you success. We're not saying run out and do exactly everything we're saying right away. This is just something to get you thinking and hopefully get you to take some positive action. Sarah, welcome to the show. I'm going to throw out one of the first steps I think is important to financial freedom, and that is the first thing you need to do is get rid of all the high-interest debt you have, don't incur more, and renegotiate the rates of interest you're paying, as well as even maybe renegotiating the debt itself. So what what do you think about
2: that? Yeah, hi, Matt. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, I think in terms of Short-term bad debt, and we'll probably put that into the category of things like credit cards or even things like zip pay and Afterpay, and I know that people can get into trouble with that too. I think you need to minimise that as quickly as possible if you are in a position where you're struggling to make ends meet because of those debts. Typically, credit cards can fall into the vicinity of probably 12 to 20% interest per annum. Uh, and if you can actually, if you do have some credit card debt maybe consolidating, well, so, so we would consolidate those into, say, a, a short-term lower interest rate type of credit card, but it's also one that you don't keep spending on either. You need to consolidate that. So you might have two or three credit cards that add up to, say, 10000 You try and get the bank to consolidate that, that all into one sort of lower cost of debt and pay that off over a year or two.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with that. I mean, people just keep paying it because they don't think it through. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, the companies are out there. They want to buy your debt because it's free money for them. I mean, that's a business model that a lot of these businesses have that people aren't aware of, and if you're paying 12, 13 percent, you can easily find another credit company that will take that debt on and charge you two percent or three percent, or mm. whatever. So maybe maybe not two or three percent, but five or six at least. So that's one of the things that you can do right away to take hold of your finances. And I tell you what, you can also negotiate the debt. You know, I've been mm-hmm. 2.7 million behind, you know, and I've sat down with creditors, and they're not easy conversations, but you can have them, and there are also companies out there that if you're not comfortable having them, will go to bat for you, and will sit down with your creditors and say, listen, this guy owes 100 grand, you're never going to get it, <laughs>
3: you know what I mean, mm-hmm.
0: for lack of a better term, or you're going to get it at Judgment Day when the last Trump blows, but, you know... How about we work something out? You know, he, we can get him to borrow some from friends or whatever, or work out some sort of deal. You take twenty five, and and we move on. So sometimes you can work out things like that. Sometimes you can't, but you want to renegotiate the rates, renegotiate the debt itself, and don't do crazy things like you know, live. You know, oh, I want that, so I can just put it on Zip Pay and worry about it mm-hmm. tomorrow. You know. So,
2: yeah, and I think I think a lot of that comes back to um, mindset issues too, is how we think about money, but also that communicating and talking to people, or talking to creditors, or talking to your bank, is a key as well, because many people don't communicate, they don't say anything, they put their head Mm. in the sand and hope that it will all go away when in reality it won't and sometimes if you are, uh, I mean most, a lot of people mightn't be in $2 million in debt but even something like a 20 grand car loan or debt that you are really struggling to pay, you know, go to your financier or go to the creditor and, you know, tell them that you're struggling and try and negotiate the payments down or the term down or something and I think you'd be surprised uh, that most institutions are willing to negotiate something,
0: at least. That is such a great point. And, and, you know, I'm not trying to brag about what a failure I was as far as how much I got in debt. But the the, the point is, is that, you know, it's like almost anything in life. If you ignore, ignore the problem, it gets bigger than Ben-Hur, as the saying goes. You know, So if you talk to people and you're not hiding and ignoring phone calls and pretending that you're going into a tunnel when you get the call from the creditor or whatever, then you can you, they will work with you. I mm-hmm. mean their goal is to get the money. You know, most people in the world have had a struggle with finances at one point or another, and they understand the situation and they appreciate people that actually want to, you know, come to the party and solve the problem. So I, I just think that's a great point that you make there that you can work through these things.
2: Yeah, and um, I think in a couple of episodes ago, I talked about. The two main things that stop people from asking for help financially and they're actually pride and shame. And I've only, I only know this because I've come across this so many times with business owners that they don't want to reach out for help when they're struggling financially because they're prideful, you know, that it's their business, it's their asset, they've built it up, they've spent a whole lot of time and effort in it and they're proud of it and then they're too They've got too much pride to actually go and ask for help, and also shame because they think that the person that they go and ask help for, whether that's the bank or a coach or their accountant or whatever, is going to judge them. Is going to think that they're less of a person when, in actual fact, that's not the case. And um, most people know Brene Brown, and she talks about shame, and and that shame is actually fuels these things. It, it makes things worse when we um, feel shameful about things that we've done. So, if anyone is out there struggling. For Financially, I just encourage you to reach out to someone that you know and trust because I can probably 99% guarantee they are going to want to help you and uh, they will steer you in the right direction and they won't judge you.
0: So great words of wisdom from Sarah. So the point is try to be more like Matt. Have no shame and no pride. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's why I was able to get out of it. No pride, no shame here. Okay, well, and then we also briefly talked in the past about setting a budget. There are lots of uh, companies that can help you do that if you've never done it before. And just real quick, I'd like to make a point about – any financial advisor will tell you the first step to financial freedom, or one of the first steps, is establish a cash reserve. That means have approximately three months worth of expense, expenses put aside. So, and that's attitude money. So, if there's some sort of a disaster, or you lose your job, or your car explodes, or whatever, uh, you can take care of that. You know, so, um, and then once you have that cash reserve, you start uh, saving and investing, which is what we're going to talk about in the next session. Do you have anything in the one minute we have left here before our break that you'd like yeah, to add?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think there's any one rule of thumb, whether it's three months, one month, two months, and it depends if you're in business too. You know, There's a bit of a rule of thumb that maybe you should have six months worth of expenses if you're a business owner, um, but you definitely need to not live week to week and be spending everything you earn, that's for sure. So um, a ca- having a cash reserve for unexpected things that happen is definitely good Advice, and I and
0: I would suggest we talked about this before the uh, show started. You said have an offset account, uh, mm. which is if some if you if you all don't know what that is, you can look that up on the internet. But basically, you you set up your mortgage so you have an account that has cash sitting in it against your mortgage, so it lowers your interest rate.
2: Yeah, because um, as we know these days, what do we get in a bank account? 0.01%. So it's probably not worth it. So if you do have home loans or rental properties or other loans, uh, you can put money in a bank account that's just like a savings account, but it reduces and offsets the interest that's otherwise payable on a loan that you've got.
0: All right. Well, some great tips. And this session's just flown by. We're going to have to hear a few words from our sponsors so we can keep the lights on here.
3: Radio Italia Uno and Brazier Mobility present The Voice of Italy's Legends, Music and Extravaganza Saturday, November the 20th at Woodville Town Hall After last year's successful show, this one promises to be even better Featuring great classics of Italian music with performances by Teresa De Gennaro, Paolo Mascia, René Albuino, Angel Manzella, Emma Peluso, Mambo Italiano, Nina Fantasia, Angela Cutri, Rocco Carpentieri, Sebastian Michele Battista, Pasquale Battista, and Daniela Fontana Rosa, hosted by Marta Marcosca. Saturday, 20th of November, doors open at 6.30pm. Tickets are $40 per person. With limited seating, tickets will sell fast. Book yours by calling 8212-3177. 8212-3177. The Voice of Italy is proudly sponsored by Brazier Mobility, specialising in tailored vehicle solutions to keep you active. Radio Italio 1, the surprises never end. Better,
1: better for life. As your parents get older, at some stage it's likely they'll need your help. At Southern Cross Care, we'd love to help you help them. Our wide range of quality home care services are designed to take care of mum and dad, their health, home and even garden. We're compassionate, capable, police checked and proudly South Australian. If you want the best home care for your parents, call 1-800-852-772 or visit southerncrosscare.com.au. Better.
3: Better, better for
2: life.
3: Mercoledì dalle 2 5. Non ci manca niente!
1: Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions. You're experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert
2: Street in the city.
3: You're listening to
0: Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello, we're back with Change the World with Matt McQuinley at 87.6 FM, Radio Italia Uno. We're here in the studio live with Sarah Ryman, financial expert, coach, public speaker, and all-around financial guru. In the last session, we were talking about uh, establishing a cash reserve. And uh, using an offset account. Uh, Now we're going to jump into. Playing to win. Not to lose. So now that we've got ourselves back to zero. How can we build wealth? So Sarah I'll throw it over to you. Go ahead.
2: Yeah so once we've. Well, if we have got some bad debt like credit cards or zip pays or car loans and things like that, they're the, thing, they're the sort of debts I would categorise as not great. Uh, and we want to invest and we want to build wealth for the future, then we're talking about investing. So uh, whilst I'm not going to purport to be a financial planner, or this is only general advice, so that's my disclaimer, uh, I do know a little bit about rental properties because I've got a few myself. And that's what I understand, so that's what I invest in. And that's probably a really good tip is that you only invest in what you understand. And if it's an asset or an investment that you find complex or you don't understand, then you shouldn't be investing in it and you shouldn't be putting your money in it. So things that you could invest in are obviously rental properties, Uh, You can invest in the share market. So you could go to a financial planner and get like a managed fund of some sort. And that's just a fund that has a whole lot of uh, shares in public listed companies. Uh, Or you can invest in a business. Business is an investment. You might go and pay $100,000 for a local cafe. That's an investment. You get a return on it. And that comes to my next point is when we are quantifying what Uh, whether we want to invest and how much we want to invest, we need to think about what our return on investment is. So that's called an ROI. Uh, How much return are we getting from that investment? Unfortunately, in Australia, there's a little bit of a culture that uh, negative gearing uh, for tax purposes, tax reduction purposes is a good thing. I'd like to challenge that Even though I was a tax accountant for many years, I saw it go very, very wrong for many, many people because all they were focused on was the actual loss incurred by the rental property to get a tax deduction. Someone once said, I heard uh, a few years ago say, don't spend a dollar to save 50 cents. And what they mean by that is don't, if your tax bracket is, let's say in Australia, it's 47 or 50%, that's the highest tax bracket. Don't spend that dollar uh, to save 50% of it just on a tax deduction for a rental property. We should be investing to make profits. We should be investing for cash flow uh, so that we can build wealth and have the th- freed up uh, cash and time that we want.
0: Yeah, I, I when I first got here, back in the days of wooden ships and iron men, I, I was shocked by this whole idea of – You know, hey, let's lose money so we pay less taxes. Well, see, I mean, I'm not a financial expert either. I'm self-taught. But I do know that if on your profit and loss there are numbers in red, that's bad. If there are parentheses around the numbers, that's bad, okay? The point is to make money. (laughs) If you don't pay any taxes because you lost money, guess what? You lost money. <laughs> <laughs> right, if you have a good structure in place and that's why you didn't pay taxes, good for you, okay? But if you didn't pay taxes because you lost money, what's the point? Hmm. So I, I just I, – I still don't grasp that whole thing. I, I don't understand how that got sold to the general public as a positive. Um, I Yeah, I really am flabbergasted by that still to this day. But I, I, I look at money, you know, and – Realize that rich people, you know, they make money. Okay, Poor people work for money. Mm-hmm. Rich people create money. They create opportunity. That's how they become wealthy. And you need to treat money like an employee. I, I read that somewhere. I don't remember where. But you treat it like an employee. And actually, now that I said that out loud, you need to treat it much, much worse than I've ever treated an employee. See, because <laughs> I try to be fair with my employees. I try to listen to them. I try to motivate them and inspire them and make them feel part of the team. With the money itself, I want it working 24 hours a day without a break no excuses you know and if it's not working get rid of it you know don't cut (laughs) it any breaks so that's the attitude you need to have with money and let's talk a little bit if you can talk a little bit about how you put those things in place uh that would be great
2: yeah and it goes back to the old rich dad poor dad uh, what robert kiyosaki wrote in his famous book is making money work for you instead of you working for it and and look many people listening might go well Sarah I'm not an investor I'm not a financial planner I don't know where to put my money it's just sitting in the bank uh, and what i would say is that we need to educate ourselves on money you know we we don't need i think i've said this before in a previous episode we don't need to have a commerce degree an accounting degree to be great at managing money well and making it work for us. So like you said, Matt, the rule of 72 is just the the, the rule of compounding interest. So when maybe in back 30 years ago, when interest rates are great, we'd put $10,000 in the bank, we might get a 10% return, we've made $1,000 in a year. These days, we can't quite do that. But what can we do? We can put it into something like a rental property for, that that brings in rent. You know, we'll, all we have to do is find a property, get a loan, and the tenant pays the rent, and it pays off the house. Uh, just like if we invest in the share market, uh, you might know which which companies are good, which companies are bad. But you can also invest in the share market in terms of things called exchange-traded funds or managed funds where they invest in 10, 20, 30 or 40 different companies and you don't have to choose one. They invest it for you. Uh, And the returns come in terms of what we call either capital growth or revenue growth through through dividends. So just like a rental property, uh, you might get uh, good capital growth in a area, say in Adelaide, in the eastern suburbs where we get good capital growth. So the value of the property increases year on year. You might buy a a property out north in the northern areas where Perhaps the capital returns aren't great, but you're getting good cash flow. Your rent on those properties, the return on the rent that you're getting is a lot higher. And we're talking about things like four, five, and six percent. Now, you would never get four, five, and six percent sitting in the bank, not in 2021 anyway. Mm. You may in a decade or so, but not now. So uh, it's better off having money in something that's going to give you a return, making it work for you, and pu- and if you're an employee and you work for money, putting that money into assets rather than liabilities. Mm.
0: And that kind of gets to a point that uh, we're sort of tap dancing around, but I just want to make sure it's crystallized. The fact that there is such a thing as good debt. Mm-hmm. We talked about bad debt before, but good debt. For example, when interest rates are now you know, between 2 and 3% mm. for a mortgage, like my wife is very and and she'll never listens to me because you know even she doesn't listen to me at home much less on the radio so I can say this and I'm safe okay but you know the, the you know she's angry with me because I won't pay off our mortgage we have the money to pay off the mortgage for our home mm-hmm. easily mm-hmm. but it's silly because for me to pay off our mortgage completely down to zero which I could do tomorrow okay mm-hmm. and and we're, when we're paying three percent on that money. And instead, we've got that money in the market where it's making 12% a year. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So that's good debt. Mm -hmm. I mean, that debt is the fact that that's freeing up that money to to use for other opportunities that are creating money is way Mm -hmm. better. And, And she doesn't grasp that. But luckily, I'm in control of our finances, just nothing else in the house, okay? <laughs> so you know, that's something that we need to understand, the difference between good debt and bad debt. Hmm. Paying 12% because you couldn't wait to get the new iPhone is bad debt, hmm. okay? You know, paying 3% on your mortgage so you can take the other twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $30,000, 40000 and have a stock portfolio, that's good debt, hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly right, Matt. And um, because the return on the invest the money that you've got invested in that share market is 8% more than what you're paying on your home, or 8 to 10% more than what you're paying on your home loan. That's right. And, and that's why I'm saying with a rental property, you know, if you go and um, buy a house for, say, $300,000 and you're getting $300 a week in rent, you know, that's a 5% return. And you can't get that with money sitting in the bank. And and again, you've got to understand the investment. So if you don't understand the share market or stocks, I'd suggest don't invest in it. But a rental property is probably an easier thing for people to understand because it's bricks and mortar, it's residential, it's, it's guaranteed income coming in. And that might be a simpler investment to start with anyway.
0: Again, we're not giving any financial advice no. here. However, Okay, that being said, if you don't understand it, don't let that stop you from doing it. Get somebody who does understand Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Okay, get a qualified financial advisor. Myself, I do mutual funds. I spread my chips out on the table. OK, so I, I'm covered in multiple industries, multiple, multi, hundreds of companies. You know, I don't put them in I have very little of my portfolio specific stocks because mm-hmm. it's too risky. Yeah. OK, I mean, and of course, you get greater return with greater risk, mm-hmm. but that's another issue. So the point is, if you don't understand, don't let that stop you. I started this stuff when I was mm, 22 years old. That's why I have the money now, not because I'm this brilliant business person, because I put, my, I understood the rule of 72, which we've talked about before, the law of compound interest. If you put $20,000 aside when you're 29, it's 6%, which the market's always done better than that traditionally over, over extended periods of time. By the time you're 65, it's $160,000, eight times what you put in. So if you're patient, you start early enough, you win. It's that simple. I mean, you don't have to be smart. I'm an example of that. You do not have to be smart. Okay? So on that note about my keen lack of intelligence, we're going to hear from our sponsors. So uh, take it away.
1: Ciao, sono Simone Berliat e vi aspetto ogni domenica alle ore 16 con Pillole di Agri Adventures, dove parleremo di cibo, turismo enogastronomico e produzione locale in Adelaide e Sud Australia. Seguitemi su Radio Italia 1, Facebook e sui social di Agri Adventures. Buon ascolto.
3: Ora più che mai. L'assistenza che le famiglie conoscono e di cui si fidano è qui per te, a Bene con i nostri servizi di assistenza domiciliare i tuoi cari diventano nostri, offriamo servizi di supporto sociale e assistenza per fare la spesa ed Andrea si è sentito completamente a suo agio il personale è stato fantastico fornendomi supporto sociale a casa bene, fornisce servizi per mantenere uno stile di vita attivo e di benessere, assistenza domiciliare o residenziale agli anziani, con rispetto e calore, con bene, sei in famiglia chiamaci all'81-3120 trentuno duemila visitaci su bene.org.au Hashtag GoodVibes
1: Ma cos'è hashtag good vibes?
3: Siamo noi Stefano! Ma
1: stai scherzando, Marta, che succede?
3: Torna il nostro appuntamento
1: settimanale con le good vibes! E che facciamo? Eh, parliamo di attualità, curiosità, interviste. E anche gli eventi in Adela, eh? Ovviamente! Ok, allora
3: hashtag good vibes.
1: Ogni giovedì dalle 13 alle 14
3: Solo su Radio Italia Uno, Radio Italia
0: Uno. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, eighty-seven point six FM. Hello and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, eighty-seven point six FM. We're here live in the studio with Sarah Ryman, financial expert financial coach, public speaker, and all-around financial guru who uh, helps a lot of businesses and individuals take charge of their finances. If you want to learn more about the services that Sarah has to offer, you can hear about them on her website, which is
2: www.sarahryman.com.au
0: And I think you've got some programs coming up. I just saw one recently on LinkedIn that you did that got a lot of rave reviews. Is <laughs> Do you have any other programs coming up?
2: Yeah, I've got a couple of uh, free webinars coming up uh, in November and December. Uh, so have a look for those on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook. Uh, it's just on my page, Sarah Ryman. And I've also got some online courses I'm about to launch uh, in terms of money management for young people. So that's like for 16 to 25-year-olds. And I've also got a Business Builders Financial Mastery course coming out for business owners.
0: Oh, I really am excited about that 16 to 25 class that you've got. I mm. just I want to talk about that for a second because it's so important to learn these things young. That was yep. one of the strengths that I had. I mean, I, I was really lucky that I learned this stuff not from my parents And and I'm not putting down my parents, but they were, you know, uh, very blue collar, and, and we were way below. We were way below middle class, actually, and you know they always thought the whole, you know, work hard, maybe someday, someday somebody in our family could go to university and they could get a better job, and and that's really not the key to financial success. I mean, I'm not against those things, but it's understanding these principles, and if we can know them at the ages from 16 to 25, man, it's you up for life because like we talked about in the last session you've got the advantage of time leverage with the rule of 72 can you tell us a little bit more about that that program you've got for young people
2: yeah so uh, earlier this year i actually went down to mount Gambier and did a two or three hour session with a lady that was passionate about teaching her own Uh, kids who were teenagers at the time about financial literacy and she managed to get together 20 teenagers that I talked to down there for a couple of hours and I have tried to get this into the schools with not much luck so I decided that I just record my own courses and um, sell them online but One of the things I was shocked to learn recently was that the Commonwealth Bank Dolomite program, which many people may remember, uh, even from when I went to school in the 80s, which is basically the savings account for kids, has actually been pulled from South Australian schools. It could be Australian. Don't quote me on that. But I think it's been pulled from the South Australian schools uh, after 90 years. Wow. Now... I don't know the full story behind that and I understand that, you know, many of us don't want big four banks uh, recruiting, so to speak, young kids as their customers, but it goes way beyond that because it's teaching kids to save at a young age. And, Matt, I was like you. I came from a family that I guess you could call them blue-collar workers. Um, Even though mum and dad had a business, they didn't teach me the fundamentals of financial literacy delay gratification, saving for the future and all of those really important things that kids need to know from a young age because our curriculum here in schools doesn't really teach financial literacy in a way that say, you know, I might be a 14 or 15-year-old kid, I go and get my first job. They don't even know how to read their pay slip. So that's why I've designed a course like this is just to teach kids, you know, what's superannuation, what's taxes, how do I read a pay slip, just all basic fundamental stuff uh, that we really need to find out at a young age. And I guess I'm passionate about this too is because I've got two daughters, they're 20 and 22, I taught them from a young age how to save how to delay gratification, how not to get credit cards, not to get car loans, and hopefully um, now today they're a product of uh, good financial literacy training from me. Uh, so, yeah, that's another reason I'm passionate about it. Mm.
0: Well, I tell you, that's great. I, and, you know, I was being nice to my family when I said blue collar. Actually, <laughs> my parents got married at 16 and 18. They were no collar. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but uh, – and I tell you, I'm a parent, you're a parent, uh, grandpas, grandmas, moms and dads listening, all of us want to have a better life for our kids. They, we want our kids to have a better life than we had, mm. and this is one of the ways we can do that. So I urge anybody listening to, to educate your kids on this stuff. If you don't know it, great. Find somebody else that does, because you want your kids to be better than you were. I mean, that's what we all want Definitely. for our children. It's that simple. Mm. So- let 's talk let 's get back into a little bit about investing um, you know i it 's really important that we 're not emotional with money. We talked mm-hmm. about that in the last session you know you don 't panic under any circumstance you know you don 't pull them as soon if the market drops you don 't panic and pull it all out. Mm. you use the time leverage we 've talked about that. Um, same thing. We don't buy real estate based on our feelings. We do it based on, you know, make, uh, you know, will it make us money in the future? Will it help our our us get to where we want to get to provide for our families? So, can you talk a little bit more about that? I mean, in the last session, we we talked about, you know, don't let your fear hold you back you know, from investing. Don't make a lack of knowledge hold you back. Find somebody like Sarah, like someone else who can help you so you can get to where you want to get.
2: Yeah. And it's all about education, Matt, too. And really, there's no excuse. You know, it's 2021. We've got access to so much online training now, to even books, podcasts, videos, whatever it is, YouTube, where we can educate ourselves on how to better manage money. Now, obviously, we have to pick and choose the right people to give us this information and be wary of um, rogues. But we've got so much access at our fingertips these days to educate ourselves on finances. There's really no excuse. So, and And again, with any investment, whether it's in a business, whether it's in real estate or in the share market, of course, there's risk. Uh, And if we are extremely risk-averse, it is going to be difficult to build wealth, but we can over time. And I think that's the thing is I I heard someone at a conference about 10 years ago talk about getting rich slowly, and that is the key because the general rule is that most people haven't got rich overnight. You know, Mm. it's only the half a percent of people that will ever, you know, invest in something or create a business, a unicorn business where they're a billionaire overnight. It just doesn't happen to the majority of us. So we get rich slowly. And especially when it comes to to properties, people do get very, very emotional about properties. And We can probably tell that at the moment, if especially if you live in Adelaide, you'll know that our housing prices have skyrocketed in the last six months, and people are buying at, you know, one, two, three, and four hundred thousand dollars over over reserve price. Uh, And the law of economics comes into that with supply and demand. But because there's a there's this fear of missing out or fear of not getting that property, people are paying so much more for it. And hopefully, our prices do stay up. Um, but if they go down, then, you know, we're going to get into a bit of financial uh, difficulty. But if we buy on emotion and even a rental problem, we've got to buy based on, you know, is it the best thing for us? Are we going to get the return? Have we crunched our numbers? Have we, have we done a bit of a risk analysis on what's the worst case scenario if I buy this or invest in this? If we do our due diligence and we think about the things before we invest in it, it'll help us to become more educated ourselves in knowing whether that's good or bad.
0: Mm. A couple of things I'd like to comment on what you said there, which of course were great. Um, I read years and years ago a study that the average millionaire in the United States, and I'm sure it's similar in Australia, is 55 years old. Mm-hmm. So again, it didn't happen overnight. Yeah. You know, they, they planned it, they worked a the plan, mm-hmm. and then it came to fruition. I remember my doctor told me years and years ago, GP, that you spend a third of your life learning, a third of your life acquiring, and a third of your life spending.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and that's pretty much how it works. And, and we need to keep that in mind. And if you're 21, guess what? You're supposed to be spending the time learning. Okay? Mm, yeah. <laughs> all right? True, and, and and you said, oh, there's all this risk. And, and I, I just want to take a little bit of I, I, I'm not smacking you down here or anything, but I really don't believe there's that much risk. If you're thinking in the long term, you know, if you're investing in the market and mutual funds or something like that, where you've got your chips spread out on the table, you know, there's some kind of investment that's following the market, you know, when you're 30, and you're not going to touch that money till you're 60. You can take a lot of hits. It will go up in 30 years. You know, so you don't have to, it's not that much bigger risk. It's a risk when you're 60 and you want to pull it out at 65. Mm-hmm. But if you're 40, 30, 50, it's not a huge risk. So I think we, that's that's my opinion. And I and I just really don't let fear stop you from having what you want. It's just like, you know, you don't want to stop fear from ask from you asking the girl of your dreams out, you know, <laughs> cuz you know she might be the mother of your children someday. You don't want to always live a life of regret. That's she my opinion. She might just say yes. She might just say yes. Unless unless it's me asking, then she'll definitely say no. Well, with that, we're gonna, we need to jump to a quick break. We'll be right back with Sarah Ryman.
1: Our independence is everything. Brazier Mobility has been creating independence for people for over 30 years. Brazier Mobility specialises in tailored vehicle solutions to keep you active. Ensuring your vehicle modification suits your needs, offering you unlimited freedom. Brazier Mobility boasts a team of highly skilled technicians working in a state-of-the-art facility located here in South Australia. No compromises are made when it comes to client satisfaction. Call them for a friendly chat on 1800 Brazier or visit their website braziermobility.com.au. Brazier Mobility, creating independence.
3: Italia Uno Adelaide.
1: Estovest, Est, a restaurant that offers traditional Italian food that Nana would approve of. Famous for gnocchi and authentic Napolitana style pizza. And every Thursday night, you can enjoy unlimited pizza for just $25. Wonderful coffee and staff that make you feel special. Estorvest. Shop 1, 111 Angus Street in the city. To book, visit their website, estorvest.com.au, and click on Book Now. You'll feel like you're in Italy.
0: You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. We're back. Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. And we're here with Sarah Ryman, financial coach, public speaker, accountant, financial guru of all kinds uh she's somebody that helps people take a control over their finances and you could hear more about the products and services uh that she offers if you'd like to utilize her or potentially utilize her to help you out on her website
2: which is au and facebook and linkedin spelled Sarah Ryman, R-E-I-M-A-N-N.
0: Yep, two Ns. Okay, so we're the last session we talked a little bit about some invest, investment strategies. Now we're going to talk a little bit about um, – I, I want to talk just briefly about using the benefits of corporations and trusts. We're just going to touch on this. It might be a little bit – uh, Sarah, you said in the break you think it might be a little bit too much, but I don't think it is. <laughs> so we're going to do it anyway. Um, the the reality is is that you can actually save a lot of money if you set up the right systems, the right family trusts. And again, I'm not telling you how to do this. Uh, I'm saying look into it uh, with some professional advice from your accountant. Uh, you know, for example. Uh, companies like Amazon paid zero taxes in 2016, 2017, and 2018. In 2019, Amazon got a $162 million rebate from the federal government in the United States on $13.9 billion in revenues. Okay. Same with Microsoft. I, I know that Google has an effective tax rate, the last I checked, of approximately 3.2%. So... None of us are Google. None of us are Amazon. None Mm -hmm. of us are Jeff Bezos, who have a hundred and I think he's one hundred and twenty-four billion dollars in assets or something. You know, but there are legal, honest ways you can structure yourself Mm -hmm. to minimize tax. And I believe that you should take advantage of all the legal means to do so. Mm -hmm. I don't think you should give the government more money than you have to. In my opinion, they're not going to spend it wisely anyway. (laughs) Okay, so, you know, that's uh, – would you like to comment on that? Tell me what you think.
2: Yeah, so in a, look, I'm not going to comment on all of the big conglomerates that haven't paid tax because I um, haven't ever been involved in any of that, so I couldn't comment on whether that was good, bad, indifferent or what they did. Um, but what I do know is that most businesses in Australia, 98% of them are considered small business and – most of those businesses would be a sole trader, a partnership, a company or a trust. And all of those entities, those four entities are available for anyone in business to take advantage of. Now, there's probably another hour conversation on how they all work. But in a nutshell, uh, look, I don't, I believe anyone that's in business seriously that may, wants to make a bit of money and, and, and is in it for the long run shouldn't really be trading as a sole trader. Uh, Which, and again, sole trader is you, the person, has the ABN, which is Australian Business Number, and you trade as yourself. Um, Because there's a whole lot of risk involved in that, where if something goes wrong in your business, uh, whoever can sue you uh, for doing the wrong thing. And so it's not just about tax minimisation either, Matt. It's it's about Mm. asset protection too. So when we create a company, uh, we are protecting ourselves. Mm. Now, again, I want to, I want to stipulate this. Please, if you're thinking about a business and you want to set up an entity, go and see your accountant, get advice from your tax accountant. Do not try and do this stuff yourself. It's too complex. And if you get it wrong, it costs too much to fix it up afterwards. So if, if you're in business, many people, uh, many businesses in Australia would trade as what we call a family or discretionary trust. And all that means is that you've got, a trading entity, because of a trust, and you can use the profits in that trust to distribute to or split between family members and minimise tax that way. Uh, in a nutshell, a company now. Because I don't practice tax too much anymore these days, I think the company rate this year is about 25%. And that's a lot lower than people's normal marginal tax mm. rate. So when we're talking about marginal rates, every single person in Australia has a rolling rate of tax where, you know, the more you earn, obviously, the more you pay in tax. It's not just a flat rate. But a company has a flat rate and a flat rate of let's take 25% for example whether you make $1 of profit or $1 million of profit in that company you still only pay 25%. So there's definitely ways and means of yeah minimizing tax legally and the advantage that business owners have I suppose over as opposed to people that are employees that work for wages is that we can earn money and pay for expenses before we pay tax. Whereas employees, they're, they're what we call P O Y G withholding or their taxes are taken out before they get their money, whereas business owners can sort of legally, you know, manipulate expenses and pay for things uh, before they pay taxes. That's the advantage.
0: Okay. That's a great point. <laughs> uh, the other, the, uh, so what, what I'm hearing you say is if you're the guy with the van that's just going out and fixing stuff, you might want to consider being a company. Yeah. I'm, so it's that simple. Uh, I do want to make uh, a couple quick points here in the little bit of time we have left. But before I do that, Sarah, what do you want people to carry away from this series the most? What's the one thing that is most important that people grasp from, this com- from our conversations here?
2: I think after the three times we've met together, Matt, I think it- – it's, I'm really passionate about teaching people to get better at finances because I've seen so many businesses and people get it wrong. I've seen relationships ripped apart. I've seen families break down and lose houses and lose everything they've had over not being financially literate. Um, so if, if people take away anything, it's please reach out for help if you are having issues. Uh, go to your accountant, go to your financial planner, go to your business advisor, whoever you trust, uh, and get the help that you need and educate yourself on getting better at finances.
0: All right. Well, that's a wonderful point. So we're going to hear a couple quick words from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back. He was born in 1918. Both his parents could neither read nor write. His father died when he was still young and he was raised by others. He became deeply interested in history. He recalled his childhood as simple and joyful. He was a sheep and cowherder who played barefoot with other boys. Eventually, he went to university. He was kicked out of university for organizing a student strike. It would be 12 more years before he could finish his law degree. He eventually opened up the first black law firm in his country. Before this and during this time, he got involved in racial equality issues. He helped organize strikes and demonstrations against racial segregation. He became involved in the movement to get the right to vote for all non-white people in his country. He encouraged his people to defy racial segregation laws all at once in the hope it would overwhelm the system and effect a change. All it did was fill the jails and result in the deaths of hundreds of protesters. He decided peaceful protesting would not work. So he set up an organization to carry out sabotage against the federal government because he thought it was the only way forward. He aligned himself with the Communist Party, which he later became to disagree with and in turn embraced democracy. He studied guerrilla warfare Although he never engaged in it, he was on the terrorist watch list in several countries, including Canada, the United States, and the UK. He was on the terrorist watch list in the United States until 2008. One does wonder though, how long would George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, and John Adams would have remained on the UK's terrorist watch list if there had been one at the time? He was divorced twice. He was brought to trial. In his trial, he said, I do not deny that I planned sabotage. I did not plan it in the spirit of recklessness, nor because I have any love of violence. I planned it as a result of a calm and sober assessment of the political situation that had arisen after years of tyranny, exploitation, and oppression of my people by whites, unquote. He was found guilty and spent 27 years in prison. He suffered from tuberculosis in prison and as a black political prisoner, received almost no medical care. He was released from prison at the age of 71. He won the Nobel Peace Prize at 74. Just shy of the age of 76, Nelson Mandela was elected the first black president of South Africa. So what do we learn from Nelson Mandela? Well, several things. We learn not to let anger, hurt, and a desire to get even to ruin our future. Despite his personal feelings and the fact that he was now the president of the nation, instead of trying to settle old scores, he did everything he could to make his government inclusive. He appointed the former president of South Africa, the deputy president, and other past apartheid supporters, ministers of agencies like agriculture, environment, minerals and energy, as well as Minister for Home Affairs. He emphasized personal forgiveness and reconciliation and said, courageous people do not fear forgiving for the sake of peace. He was even criticized by his wife in public for being more interested in appeasing the white community than helping the black majority. We also learn that people may call you a terrorist today, but down the road, they may give you the Nobel Peace Prize. We learn that sometimes success might take 76 years to achieve. We learn that it doesn't really matter where you start out, it matters where you end up. We learn that if the cause is just, and even though it might never seem possible, we can make the world a better place. Another thing we learn is that our heroes aren't perfect. In fact, Nelson Mandela said about himself on one occasion, quote, I'm an ordinary human being with weaknesses, some of them fundamental, unquote. On another occasion, he said, quote, I am not a saint unless you think of a saint as a sinner who keeps on trying unquote. We also learned that there are two types of people in the world and two types of people listening to this broadcast. The type of person who will give up when things get tough. Who will allow what they know to be wrong to continue. Who will feel there's nothing they can do to improve things. Who will accept the status quo. And then there's the other type. The type of person who will not give up. Who will fight for a cause they believe in. Because it's just who will do whatever they think is best, regardless of the consequences to themselves, and sometimes help change the world. The question is, as always,
2: which one are you?